Hello and welcome to another episode of One of Us Has to Be Right. I'm Josh Deal. He's Justin Whitwick. And today we're introducing a new segment. This one's called Scary or Scares Me. So is the team scary good or are they so bad that they scare you? You can pick any NFL, MLB, college, whatever the case may be. You pick the team. Tell me why they are scary good or they're so bad they scare you. Justin, who do you have this week? This week, piggybacking off of last week, I've been watching a little bit more basketball because you know we're not just a one-trick pony. We don't just we don't just talk about football. Precisely. Even though even though it's preferred, the team that really really scares me is the Utah Jazz, formerly known as the Phoenix Suns, <laughs> the best the team in podcast. basketball. Um, yeah. So to me, right now, the Utah Jazz are by far the second best team in the NBA, um, only behind. The Brooklyn Nets. Okay. How deep that bench is with Jordan Clarkson. Jordan Clarkson's sixth man of the year. I know. He's 28. He's finally filling out. Um, Joe Engel's coming on the bench. They had Quincy Porter. Uh, insane. Yeah. Insane perimeter guard. But in the last two games, the Utah Jazz, the Utah basketball team Jazz, <laughs> are the first team in NBA history to score 53s in two games. Cool. Oh, I mean, and Donovan Mitchell. Rudy but not Gobert. just Donovan. I mean, and Rudy's not, not just, shooting threes. But the, everybody's getting their their money's worth, okay? Yeah. And even, like, when you think about it, like, like the Warriors never did it, right, with Steph, Clay, KD. Yeah. And, and, and the big three in Brooklyn haven't done it yet, but... The Utah Jazz have the have the record for the most three pointers in a two game span. They're getting they're getting their 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 shots up, creating so much space. They're passing up good shots to get great shots. They're playing superb defense. Only team in the NBA that's top five in efficiency offense and defense. Quinn Snyder, coach and, of the year. Oh, the, absolutely. And and people really need to put some respect on the Utah Jazz. Okay. Now, so that's that's your scary team. That's the team that's super scary good. Now who scares the team you? That scares me. The team that scares me. I was I was kind of going back and forth between two teams here. The one that I'm not really going to talk about are the Boston Celtics, but they need to get their act together. They do. They're a game. They're a game under 500 with three All Stars. That's yeah, ridiculous. I know. I know. I know. Kemba's a little riddled. Marcus Smart isn't even alive right now. But. Brad Stevens is on the hot seat. Watch out. He might get fired soon. Just throwing that out there. GM GM made some comments about players' efforts, so his job scares me. Um, But the real team that just is now on the list, and I hate to say it, I hate to say it, but the Los Angeles Lakers. Ah. Now, I, I wouldn't be saying this if they hadn't won the championship last year and we're still favorites, but losing their last four. I know, I know, it was on a road. They were on a road street, and AD's been hurt with no AD, with no Anthony Davis. I, I will say that, but Anthony Davis's injury to me isn't something that's just going to go away. You know, um, very, and I hate to say this, but very KD reminiscent, where Oof. where it was just kind of like, yeah, he might be able to play through it. Goes out there, snaps the Achilles. I think that the Lakers should hold Anthony Davis out as long as they absolutely possibly can. Just how poor and how sorry the Lakers look, okay? Yeah, they got they got absolutely romped by the Jazz the other night. 
who we formally said are the Phoenix Suns. <laughs> but the Phoenix Suns, they're still fourth in the West. They're still fourth yeah, in the West that's somehow. Insane. But um but yeah, so the Lakers now I get it. Anthony Davis puts up so many points. Um I think Shy not Shy, uh Dennis Schroeder's out too. Yeah. Sorry. Thunderguards. Um <laughs> but Thunderguard um, sounds like a really bad superhero team. <laughs> We're the, the Thunderguards. Thunder I get it. They're both out, and they put up points. But it's a Frank Vogel-led team, and they have no defensive effort. Yeah, I mean, when he was Come with the Pacers, on. that was all they did. That was the that that's what got him put the him job on the map in L.A. and and they really scare me. I know playoff LeBron's coming, and and I mean, I know we always see not the best, you know, season play from him because he's figuring out how to how to lead these guys, how to work with what. But uh, the Lakers, they scare me with how much effort they don't put in. You still have Thornton Tucker on the team. You still have Montrez Harrell. You still have Kuzma, who's who's putting up points. And obviously LeBron, he's going to go get his. But KCP's not doing anything. And that's just a team that I really was super high on. And just, and just watching them right now, it scares me. Okay. Who are your two? So I'm going to go off the map here. And talk about a topic that we haven't talked about, mm. and that's baseball. <laughs> there you For go. Little fun fact background: I wanted to be a baseball broadcaster since I was eight years old. Uh, went to school for it and everything, and then decided. Kind of now. What? <laughs> kind of now. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. No, kind of. I mean, I I did it in college. It was you know a passion area of mine, and I mean, obviously now we have the podcast to fill that hole. Um, but a team that is. I think scary, scary, scary good are the New York Mets. And that's insane mm. to say. Um, John's going to love to hear that. Well, no, dude. And the, my, I've got, I've got buddies who are huge Mets fans. Um, but Steve Cohen taking over that team and saying, I want to win. Like, why would you <laughs> own a baseball team? If you don't want to win, you look at that rotation, DeGrom, Stroman, Carrasco, mm. Walker, that's the rotation. Not to I mention forgot Strowman's still there. Yeah, not to mention the lefties Peterson and Lucchese. Um, they're kind of interchangeable there as the the fifth starter. But I mean, you look at the bullpen like Edwin Sugar Diaz, um, Familia is still there. Dellen Batenses, who is an all star with the Yankees. Mm, uh, yeah. Selman is still there. Aaron Loop as a long reliever. That lefty, he's the only lefty in that bullpen. Um, but then. Not to mention, they've got a scary lineup, too. You've got James McCann behind the plate. You've got Pete Alonzo at first. Jeff McNeil. Polar at, Bear. Well, Jeff McNeil at second base, who hits, like, three Ty Cobb numbers in batting average Give me the shortstop. Give me the shortstop. Obviously, Frankie Lindor up the middle, oh, which incredible, what a incredible move. J.D. Davis at third base with Jonathan VR as the backup for all of those. He's more of, like, the utility guy. And then the outfield... Obviously, you've got Dom Smith playing left with um, Nemo in center, Conforto in right, um, and then Kevin Pillar. Kevin Pillar mm. is on the bench. Like this is a guy who was like Mister Blue Jay a couple of years back. So yeah. um, you've got him. You've got him as a as a backup option in center field. But just the moves that they've made this offseason, acquiring Cookie Carrasco, um, you know, 
making it Trevor work. Trevor Bauer. Making it work. Trevor Bauer's on the Dodgers. <laughs> no, but did you not see oh, that whole how thing? they signed the Mets? The Mets signed him. Yeah. yeah, sorry, John. Don't mean to bring it up again. But, but I mean, even still, like he wouldn't have. I mean, he could fit into this this bull or into this rotation. But um, if they had him too, are you kidding me? Uh, that would, they were I supposed mean, to sign. They were supposed to sign George Springer too before he um, went to the Blue Jays. Before he went to the Blue Jays, but yeah. well, they said that he was going to be somewhere in that region. He wanted to play yeah. somewhere where it's cold in the winter. Um, yeah. and, and some place where they didn't bang on trash cans to, to <laughs> <laughs> um, but dude, yeah, no, the Mets, the Mets, I think they're scary good this year and I'm excited. I'm excited for baseball. I mean, pitchers and catchers reported. I mean, spring training is in, in full effect. Uh, Bryce Harper's out here with a clear water shirt on <laughs> in the batting cages looking like an absolute animal. And, uh, I'm, I'm, just I'm excited like, to see the Dodgers play this year, well, and that's I, what, I hate to say it. I'm excited to see them play. I'd love to see a Mets Dodgers World Series. Like I think, mm. I mean the the old Brooklyn, what the people want the old Brooklyn Dodgers, New York Mets. I mean it's 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 a win win. Um, now for the team that scares me, and this is this is a cakewalk pick. Um, but today officially, the Houston Texans kind of had a a statement in which they said that Deshaun Watson doesn't want to play for the Texans. And saying the Texans is the easy pick, but I'm going to switch it up, and I'm going to say another team that plays in the NFL, and it's the Seattle Seahawks. And the reason why that scares me, why they scare me right now, is that there have been no talks of trades. But Russell Wilson said, if I were to play for another team, it would be the Raiders what the bears what the cowboys what or the pick that everyone wants to see the new orleans saints and i or the think jets the jets were on that list too wasn't they were not on the list the four the, the, the agent released the agent released Uh-oh. according to adam schefter there were four teams on per the adam list. schefter per adam I schefter God, i saw the jets on that. there and everyone's throwing out speculation but the four teams that the agent came out and said if you mm, were we'll see about that it okay. was. It was those. One four. of us has to be right. One of us has to be right. And in this moment, <laughs> in this moment, on Thursday, February twenty fifth at six twenty in the afternoon, it's me. Um, so here's why you're wrong. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> wrong about what? Uh, <laughs> but okay, no, I, I think that Pete Carroll is probably going into frantic mode because it, that was such a happy marriage for so long. Uh, but reports are coming out that before the the Thursday night football game that they had against the Cardinals that they were trying to game plan and Russell Wilson stormed out of the room and um, there's just a lot more reports coming out. At first, he was just kind of unhappy about not having a great offensive line. And we were like, oh, well, they can just make him happy by like trading for Orlando Brown or drafting one of the the, you know, the guys that could fall later, like an Alex Leatherwood or, you know, maybe a second round guy like Creed Humphrey or, you know, like, you know, some well, they don't have a first round pick this year. Exactly. But the, the, some yeah. of those guys could fall into the second round. Regardless, yeah. um, you know, acquiring one of those guys or like maybe signing a free agent. There was a lot of like talk that we were, you know, saying like yeah. how to keep Russell Wilson happy. And now the reports are coming out that he's just not happy at all. Um and he's not outwardly requesting a trade like Deshaun Watson is, but <laughs> people are saying that if 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 push comes to shove here, we could see Russell Wilson playing on a new team and 
obviously we've seen reports that Derek Carr is nearing a multi-year extension with the Raiders. Mm-hmm. So that kind of knocks the Raiders off there. So he wouldn't be playing in Las Vegas. But Chicago Bears need a quarterback. The New Orleans Saints are looking for a replacement for Drew Brees. But the one that I think they could potentially do, and something that could be kind of fun, is I know we said it doesn't happen very much, but if they were able to organize some sort of sign-and-trade, Jerry Jones signs Dak, ships him up to Seattle, and then brings in Russell Wilson, I think that would be the most feasible move. I think that the Bears would have to give up too much in order to acquire Russell Wilson, but if if a package including Dak Prescott were presented to the Seattle Seahawks and specifically Pete Carroll, John Schneider up there at GM, I think they would be dumb to take it down. I mean, if it's I mean, he's their franchise guy, so it would be crazy, but it's something it's something feasible and if he's going to be a potential if that's going to be a mark on the team, if they turn it down and, you know, make their franchise QB unhappy. I mean, we don't know. We're going to see how it unravels over the next couple of weeks, a couple of months, but that could be something that we're, we're going to be watching it super closely. I mean, Justin and I send about 150 things to each other <laughs> on a regular basis every day. Um, so, well, well, yeah, but the, I, I just want to say the other thing though, is that the Seahawks, yeah, Apparently, a third of the of the NFL has reached out to them about trades with Russell Wilson, but he has a no trade clause, so he he gets the final say if he yeah. if he ends up going anywhere. But th- I heard reports that that were saying that like they wanted at least first three first rounds yeah. before any other player involved too, which is but who's dumb enough to insane. do something like that? That's absolutely insane. I don't care like three firsts for Deshaun Watson, who's a lot younger than him, is asking for way too much. True. Jared yeah. Jared Goff and two firsts for Stafford. Again, we're it set a precedent that's that that sucks for teams that are that are in the market to trade for a quarterback. Exactly. Are we agreeing? For once, I think we're both right. <laughs> Speaking of offseason time, we talked about quarterbacks in the draft last week. Moving on to running backs. So this segment's called Justin's Top Five. He goes through and gives us his top five prospects of each position group. Today we're talking running backs. Justin, who are your top five running backs coming into the NFL draft? What you've seen from Senior Bowl, what you've seen from you know past seasons experience, whatever the case may be. I know we kind of left him on a cliffhanger last week on to uh, who was going to be my number one. I mean, I think it's all, it's clear to all of us that Etienne and uh, Harris no, are Jay the two Harris, yeah. top backs in this draft. But which um, one's number one, Justin? The fans are dying to know. <laughs> I'm dying to know. Seven, you haven't told me all, anything. All seven people that listened to us, including <laughs> your girlfriend. Shout out, Cullen. <laughs> <laughs> Najee Harris is the best back in this draft. Okay. Um, I agree. The scariest thing to me is his balance. Mm. I know that doesn't sound like mm. much. Nope, that's everything. But, oh my God, how how versatile he is out of the backfield as somebody who can hurdle somebody yeah. as we've seen through his crazy absolute insane highlight reels he's somebody who's who's really good at at catching the ball out of the backfield when needed um i i'd like compare him to like saquon barkley out of the backfield like skill set mm. that way but also like in the open field just how he's so able to just to just switch to that gear but also lower his shoulder to me he's he's derrick henry and mark ingram like morphed into one he's not as big as Derrick Henry but he runs harder than 
than Mark Ingram, but he kind of has the out-of-the-backfield stuff that Mark Ingram has, but he could also put his toe in the dirt and cut it upfield with the insane balance that Derrick Henry has. Yeah, no, I, I agree with Najee Harris. The stats on him just 6'2", 229. So, again, you said a mm. little shorter than Henry. Um, I think Henry's 6'4", 240. It's like 240, <laughs> 250, somewhere in there. That's a refrigerator. Yeah. That's not a football player. <laughs> I mean, I'm excited to see what his 40 is when they have their pro day. Yeah. Um, obviously, no. The combine's supposed to be this week. I know, which stinks. But that's so sad. At 6'2", 230, Najee Harris... That's 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 insane. I mean, some of I mean some of the other guys that are that big don't have that elusiveness that we've seen from him. So I think he's he's not a once in a generation back, but he is by far the best yeah. in this draft class. Yeah. So number two, Etn, and this is he's not a player to just snuff at or anything. No. He's he's probably the best back out of the backfield that I've seen since Alvin Kamara coming out of Tennessee. Ooh. You know, Christian McCaffrey wasn't wasn't like the receiving back out of Stanford that he is on the Panthers. He was solid. He was solid, but you knew what you were getting in Alvin Kamara. But yeah. but with ETN, you know, somebody you can line up in the slot, somebody that'll jet sweep for you, um, can run a wildcat type deal. The main way that, that you can utilize Travis ETN is just to maximize his touches, just get the ball in his hand. Yeah. Um, and he's somebody that'll that'll change somebody's offense in order to get the ball into his hand more. He's not a back that is a Kareem Hunt secondary option to Nick Chubb. He's somebody that needs to be a featured back, a, a proven workhorse from Clemson. Since since he's played at Clemson, 6,000 yards from scrimmage oh, yeah. total, 77 touchdowns in four seasons. You oh, know what I mean? Oh, yeah, I've got the stats um, in front of me. They're, they're and, unreal. And, you know, he's so shifty, and his ball security, it could use a little bit of work. Sure. But... Oh man, he's he's just so explosive and shifty, and like I said, he's he's just a little little bit of a poor man's Camara, more of an out of the backfield than in the backfield. This is a guy who is two time ACC Player of the Year, two time ACC Offensive Player of the Year, he's, and that's with Trevor Lawrence on your team. Yeah, he's the all time <laughs> career rushing yard leader in ACC history. He's the all time career rushing touchdown leader in ACC history. He's the all-time career total touchdown leader in ACC history, <laughs> all-time point leader in ACC history, all-time yards from script. I mean, you name it, it's it's Travis Etienne. The only thing that scares me about that is that he had such a good college career. This is a guy who could have gone first round in 2020. Oh, he's got so much mileage on But him. that's the tread on the tires. Sometimes it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. You've seen a lot of guys that come out of the come out of the college and they they rush like in like for insane numbers in college and they come out and they do the same thing in the pros i mean but the 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 one that scares me is someone's record who he broke was donnell pumphrey and that's someone who had a lot of college production and then just i mean he was that's a throwback donnell pumphrey 5'6 176 that's not what you get when you get a guy 5'10 205 like etn is so i i agree his versatility out of the backfield is something that is is definitely fun to, to to play around with and I think that he would fit great on the Dolphins as the lead back depending on who the yep. quarterback is there if, he's like he he's like the perfect Ravens running back yeah you know what I mean it's, it's with how fast and spread that offense is but then now Lamar would have somebody to throw to out of the slot yeah. like that's ideal but Dolphins great fit for him. And, Jets too and, and the thing the thing about if he would have declared last year I think that he would have been there instead of J.K. Dobbins 
I think that they would have made the move for him rather than going with J.K., but obviously declares another year, comes back, and he did that pre-COVID. He did that pre-COVID. He said on the the 17th of of January in 2020. So he was like, look, I'm going back. He stuck to his commitment. He came back. He played, broke all those records. He had a he scored a touchdown in forty two games, forty two straight games scoring a touchdown. That's insane. It's 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 unreal production. Who do you have at three? So there's a guy that I have at my six that I want at my five. Oh, so I'm gonna lump two guys together here for my number three, and it's it's both dudes out of North Carolina. Okay, uh, Javante Williams and Michael Carter. I'm gonna start with Javante Williams though, real quick. You know. He's a he's a big physical runner, he, but he's also in every down threat. You know he's he's and and something that I love is that he's so good in pass protection. If you watch him, he's like it reminds me of the play that made me a Jaguars fan when Maurice Jones Drew laid out Sean Merriman coming off a blitz. <laughs> Maurice five foot six Maurice Jones Drew and Sean Merriman just screaming off the edge. I could see Javante Williams just sticking his foot in the ground, helping out who's ever there. You know, he takes really good angles. He's really elusive. I will say that he benefited from his scheme and and how many other playmakers that he had at North Carolina, um, especially, like I said, with with Michael Carter taking a lot of the um, weight off of him. But poor man's uh, Nick Chubb. That's that's, that's my thoughts on Javante Williams. I don't know if you want me to go to... Michael Carter, if you want to say something about no, him I mean Javante Williams, five ten, two twenty, um, shouldered a lot of the load for that that UNC team, and he's got that power, he's got that quickness, uh, he's good in short yarded situations, but he can also pick up chunk plays. I mean, I he has that potential to be a, a three down guy. We didn't really get to see that when he was working with Michael Carter, but I yeah. mean, absolutely, At, with his size, his frame, he could easily be a three down back in the NFL. Yeah, so moving on to Michael Carter, you know, your your average complimentary one back that's kind of in the in the passing game. Like I said, very he's 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 more of the like Kareem Hunt esque where it's mm-hmm. like you can have that that second dude out of the backfield. He plays more I think I made the comparison just because we were talking Brown's running back. It's like Duke Johnson. Sure. But like a little bit more athletic. Under he's um, he's more undersized both in height and weight. Contributes yeah. more as a receiver. Yeah, uh, and he has really good vision, which, which is dope. He's a little on the leaner side. Yeah, I think I think that he'll he'll make a great asset to any team. Gives me a little bit of Ceh vibes. Clyde Edwards-Helaire, okay. Yeah, a little bit, but definitely a lot smaller and and probably a little bit better out of the backfield than Hilaire. Um, but but when with the ball in their hands, they pretty complimentary. Moving on to four. Kid from Memphis, Kenneth Gainwell. Okay. Really, really solid. He played uh, he played quarterback in high school and he transferred on over to the running back position and he he's somebody else that's really good out of the backfield. I think we're seeing a big revolution of running backs that can catch now that now that we see how coveted the Kareem Hunts, the Christian McCaffreys, the Alvin Kamaras are are in the league with guys that, that need to be able to play from the slot or guys that can play well in space out of out of like a wheel route something anything he's a little long and lean and he's going to need to bulk up a little bit yeah. fill out the uh, frame a little bit he really could be a, a one back the yeah. one thing that I like about Kenny Gainwell and the one thing that kind of puts a question mark by his name so he actually lost a lot of family to COVID 
and mm. decided to fully sit out this season. He said, you know, it's just not worth it for me. He never opted back in uh, and just strictly prepared for the NFL draft. Why that could be a question mark is we've never seen anything like this before. Absolutely. So this is he was absolutely electric as a freshman. I mean, he put up insane numbers, 6.3 yards a carry, 13 touchdowns, mm. 1450 on the ground. Um, on a Memphis team. And not to mention the fact that he had 51 catches for 610 yards and three TDs as a receiver. Super explosive, like you said, at 5'11", 191, long and lean, could afford to you know bulk up a little bit. I just I think that this is a guy who, if we saw him play this year, he could have been our number one back. Uh, he's got a lot of yeah. potential, but you sit out a year, there there starts to be some question marks. But I, I think that moving forward, um, you know, he's a guy that could develop into a starter, especially if he slides into third, like second, third round. Yeah. Um, a team could pick him up, and he could be a, a big steal here. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes before Michael Carter. I don't think he might. He might jump Javante Williams, but I don't think so. But I wouldn't be surprised if he goes before. Michael I think Carter. he. Go, I personally, I think he goes before both. I th- I have yeah. Gainwell as three in my book. You ready for my comp? Ready for this comp for for Kenny Gainwell? Yeah, sure. Ahmad Bradshaw. Oh, he's uh, disagree, but explain. I, I see it. How elusive that they both can be when they get out of the backfield. I know Gainwell is a little bit more lean. And he's he's a better slot receiver than than Ahmad Bradshaw was. Ball security, everything down to how they hit the whole elusiveness. I see a lot of Ahmad Bradshaw on him. I I just think Gainwell could be a three down back, and that's the only reason why I don't yeah. see that comparison. I mean, Bradshaw complimented yeah. uh, Brandon Jacobs so well. Um, yeah, and that was I mean that was the combo. It was earth, wind, and fire with Bradshaw mm-hmm. being the wind. Uh, Jacobs being the earth, and then uh, oh, I forget the third back um, that they had up there for that that two thousand was it that was the that was the second time they beat Brady, right? Yeah, that was nine. Yeah, I think. Yeah, but I, again, I have Gainwell three personally. But yeah. watching what they did at the Senior Bowl, Carter, Javante Williams, both uh, they could they could definitely slide up. Who do you have four, five? So five, this is five. Yeah. So this is a bit of a jump. I'm not gonna lie for for this player, but he's one of the hottest prospects in college football right now, and that is the Trey Sermon out of Ohio State. Ooh. Um, high. Very high. He He's somebody that has a lot of tread on the tires. I know we were talking about ETN. Mm-hmm. Sermon hasn't logged a 200-plus carry single season yet, okay? His toughness, ball security, contact balance, just like Najee Harris. He, he's he's somebody that, that, you know, you want inside run zones, um maybe some stretches, but he's somebody that you line up in between the tackles. He's somebody that can make it to the second level, and when he does, insane. But older. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. he played um, in Oklahoma for three years before transferring to Ohio yeah. State. And, and you know, he does have um, a lack of production on third downs, I'll say, especially playing with Master Teague last year, who carried the majority of the load. Yeah. But yeah, he definitely needs to improve on third downs. But I watch out for him. I think he's somebody that that could really make a splash. And and I, I just want to preface this because I got a little flack for my quarterbacks. I'm not saying that that this is where these players are gonna go, or necessarily like who is 
100% better, but from my own standpoint as like a GM and for what I personally look for, like mainly mainly got a lot of I got a lot of stuff for the Mac Jones, Trey Lance saying that Mac Jones is better than Trey Lance. I personally as a GM would look at Mac Jones is a better prospect, something like Trey Sermon. I would just simply look at him as a better prospect than some of the other guys that are still left on the board. Just a couple of the names that you didn't mention. Kylan Hill out of Mississippi State. Um, mm. he, I mean, he played really well in that season opener um, but and did pretty well as a blocker too. Could Also another guy that could be a three-down back in the NFL. Um, Ramondre Stevenson could be either a running back or a fullback. Coming yep. out of Oklahoma, big downhill runner, Lamont Jordan type, just rumbling, stumbling. Another name, Larry Roundtree out of Missouri. You got Chuba Hubbard out of Oklahoma. Chuba Hubbard, State. yeah. No, and that's, Chuba. that's that's one of the guys who obviously college production not always translating to NFL production. Someone who is just run a lot, um, yeah, but awful in pass blocking. So. Yeah. Someone who could potentially be a chunk play threat, but just not someone who's an every down back in the NFL. And I think, I mean, I think Trey Sermon, for me, he's someone who could fall third through fifth. Oh, he definitely could fall. But, and, but I'm not I, saying I, that he I, won't, I agree. But yeah. I mean, the thing, this is, this is a good, a, a good year for running backs, but I mean, the top. I also just, I also just want to shout out Puka Williams from Kansas. Yeah. Because he's somebody that's flying under the radar. Yeah. And and he's somebody that, in my opinion, would really, really show out at the Combine with how good his footwork is. Yeah. But, I mean, we, we don't get to see that. Super limited can't opportunities. can't compare these guys. No, super limited opportunities. He, pretty undersized for the NFL. But, I mean, a lot of guys have Puka as a that same three to five. Like, people... that There's mm-hmm. the... That three to five, like round three through round five range is insane. Pretty much just stacked. Everyone like Puka Williams, Khalil Herbert out of Virginia Tech, Elijah Mitchell out of Louisiana Lafayette, uh, Javian Hawkins. But as far as top five, personally, um, mine would be obviously Najee Harris, number one, ETN, number two, Gainwell, three. And then I would put Kylan Hill just because he's someone who isn't you know super well known but could easily go in the second or third round yeah but i think that of the not not even the the north carolina boys of they don't the crack t- your top five of the two i'm picking javante okay. williams um okay. respectable yeah i think that's kind of where the nfl is is going with the emergence of henry like getting those bigger backs and then having those slot receiver guys too but give me give me javante williams as my five i love trey sermon as a project someone who can kind of plug and play but I, yeah. I and that could come back to bite me he could end up being you know you know a, a top five I mean we see but that's the thing we see running backs from the fourth round pop off all the time we see guys like, who went undrafted pop off all the time yeah. I mean like you, I mean James Robinson yeah James so people had James Robinson as like 20 like un, like obviously undrafted free agent but like as far back as like their 30th prospect you know what I yeah. mean? Like they did not have him a very high. I mean, Philip Lindsay, another guy who I mean popped off that was not expected to. Uh, Austin Eckler too. Yeah. Like all all these guys. I mean, uh, where was Dalvin Cook taken? He wasn't. Was he? He wasn't he was, first he was round. First. He was a first. He was in first round. Either first or second, but he was he was pretty highly touted. That twenty seventeen running back class. Oh my lord. Yeah, but there's filthy. But there's a lot of guys who. Just, I mean, 
who have made a name for themselves in the NFL that just fell later. Yeah. Let's keep, yeah. Let's keep them rolling. Next week we, we roll yeah. into, into wide receivers. So, uh, pass catchers. Pass catchers. Oh, we're including tight ends. No, no, no. It's okay. Oh. I, it, we might need to splice something just because I don't think we have enough weeks to get through every position group till the draft. Yeah, we'll get over but I think we'll, we'll just bunch O-line yeah, together. Yeah, but I th- we got to have love for the for the big boys, though. So, yeah, just receivers. No no tight ends included for, for next week. Okay, just receivers. So now moving on to our last segment, this is something that kind of shifted throughout the week because yes. when we were originally going to record, um, said person. Okay, so so basically we were going to do all star snubs. Yep. For 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 uh, the NBA, but as we know now, Devin Booker is somebody that is now on the uh, West team just because of AD's injury. Yep. However, he still would have been a snub, as many would have seen. Yeah. Um, Still think he deserved so, it over Chris Paul, and I think but, other um, people might. Yeah, have seen I'm. i Just, just give me your initial thoughts on it, and if, and then I'll tell you who I thought my snub was, and then I know you have pretty big feelings towards pretty towards what you think the All Star voting should be. Pretty big last segment vibes. Pretty big. Here's why you're wrong. Vibes. Um, pretty big. Somebody's gonna. Somebody's gonna start yelling, <laughs> and it's probably gonna be me. <laughs> um, so no, I think I think Booker was the overall better player that so far this year. I love what Chris Paul's doing on the Suns. It's a very yeah. Phoenix is just. I mean, obviously Phoenix the best team in the league. So <laughs> them having two All Stars, yeah, forget about the Jazz. <laughs> it's the Phoenix Suns. <laughs> them having two All Stars should be you know a perennial thing. How how good they are always. Um, but I mean, they are fourth in the West. So um, I mean, Aiden, Aiden, and Devin Booker—they're—they're they're not a team to joke no, joke no, with. No, I'm—I wouldn't say I'd be scared of them if I was a better team in a seven-game series. But it's like it's like the Nuggets last year, where it's like, yeah. you don't want to really mess with them because yeah. they could bounce you, especially but. Jamal Murray. But yeah, I mm. think I think the backcourt of Booker and, and CP3 has been great. But I would give the edge to Booker over CP3. Now we get both Absolutely. in there. Um, who is your snub? Yeah, so mine has to be Trey Young nice coming out of the coming out of the East, averaging um, what is it twenty seven, four and and nine and a half. Um, boys putting up numbers. I think that Ben Simmons shouldn't have gotten, should have gotten the nod. I'm not saying that that he's a bad player or anything, yeah. but but when you average fifteen, um, and you and you have less assists to your name, I know he has a couple more rebounds, but and this is this is also kind of tying into into my rationale behind how to decide who gets in but to me averaging over 10 points less and averaging almost two assists less a game yeah isn't equal to averaging what is it four four more boards a game but um he also has a couple more better defensive stats between blocks and steals I'm not going to lie but they're not like insane numbers no. and for somebody that's that's just shooting the lights out of buildings and and keeping his team alive. Um, I think Trey Young deserves the nod over Ben Simmons. And I agree there too. But that's the thing. Ben Simmons is that combo forward guard at his size. So they... That his, but he's not having a better year. He's not. That's, no, and he's I, not. I don't care. Like he's just not having a better year. And I'm not saying that that you're wrong for saying that. But I'm saying from from a from like a, a just like a. A fan's perspective, he's just not having a better year than Trey Young. No, I, and that's why. Same I, thing with Booker and and Paul. 
You know? That's why I'm agreeing with you. Um, yeah, okay. But this, I guess we both have to be right. <laughs> this, the, it, this leads me, though, in obviously this year it's fan voting for the starters and then it's coach voting. I'm pretty sure for the reserves. For the reserves. And this leads me into what I think. And we all know that what I think might be right, it might be wrong. Personally, Let's hear this freezing cold take, Josh. Personally, I'm kidding, I'm I kidding. think that the All Stars, All Stars, All Stars, <laughs> the All Stars should be selected based off of who the fans would be most excited to see in a game. And in my opinion, fans use money to show who their favorite players are. <laughs> and in my opinion. I believe that the NBA should take jersey sales as the most important factor into the All-Star game. Simply based off the fact that it shouldn't be, like, obviously All-Star, like, 12-time NBA All-Star, it's because they were playing the best from the start of the season until February. That's why they pick All-Stars. It would take some of the validity out of who the best players are. I mean, there's a chance that a small market player like Demonis Sabonis, who is already a snub this year, would potentially not make it any year. But knowing what makes a player go into the All-Star game, if a small market player becomes a superstar, a la Reggie Miller with the Pacers, a la Dame Lillard, with the Trailblazers, that's I think the Jersey Shales should be something that people look into. Last year, from January 2020 to October 2020, the top-selling jerseys were LeBron, Luka, Giannis, Steph, KD, AD, Jason Tatum, Dame Lillard, Kyrie Irving, Russell Westbrook, Kawhi Leonard, Zion Williamson, Jimmy Butler, Kemba Walker, James Harden. Those were the top 15 jerseys. I think the only people who didn't make the All-Star game this year out of that list were Russell Westbrook, Zion, Jimmy Butler. Did Butler make it? I think he ended up making yeah. it, but I could be wrong. And 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 Kemba made it too. So And yeah, and but he's he's also been riddled with injuries all year. And, and that's the thing, is if if the voting is already kind of questionable like up in the air people coming in why not base it on something more concrete now you could do stats you could do strictly fan voting but if if it's a fan's game if you take it out of the if you're gonna put fan voting as something that is important then make the fans vote with their money make more money as a league if say hey if you want to see lebron play this one game against someone he traditionally wouldn't play with then buy his jersey and this is a very i mean incredibly capitalist thought wait wait, josh josh i'm so sorry i just wanted to say zion did make it zion did make it jimmy buckets didn't make it the All-Star game this year. But still, right around 12 or 13 out of the top 15 selling jerseys, they made it. But those are people, like, if I had my choice between watching Russell Westbrook or Jalen Brown play in a game, I'm picking Russell Westbrook, especially if I'm, like, watching the game. It should be almost like a Harlem Globetrotters-esque game. Now, a lot of 
people will say, no, we want it to be actual offense, actual defense, make it a legit game, have people who are playing their best this season out there. But if you're doing it for fan experience, then base it off something that the fans have a say in. And that's if LeBron's leading in jersey sales, then he should be your top guy. If the second jersey sale, like second top jersey seller is Giannis, then make him the top guy in the East. Like it's, 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 you can do up to the minute data on who has the most jersey sales and you can generate it because if a, if a guy's playing well, they're going to buy his jersey. If he's not playing well, they're not. It's, it's, it's so simple, but that's also from a take of we want this game to be entertaining and we want it to be people we want to see. If you're looking at it from the perspective of, this is how we judge who's good. Like, if you're going to put a 12-time All-Star instead of a 5-time All-Star into the Hall of Fame because he was a 12-time All-Star guy, then that's when it starts becoming a, a questionable thing to make it jersey sales as the number one indicator. But if it's strictly for the fans to make them, you know, happy then base it off of whose jersey they're buying, man. It just, it makes so much sense, but uh, the way you're looking at me, I I just, go ahead. So here's why you're wrong, Josh. (laughs) I, so here's the thing. I kind of like having fan voting for the starters, okay? I will say that Dame should deserve more credit than Luka for this year. Damian Lillard should be starting in the West, and Luka Doncic shouldn't your, be for this. Your year. favorite player should. So that's I that's know a non-biased I, take. Um, but when you look at guys like Rudy Gobert, and you, you look at somebody who's in Salt Lake City, Utah, <laughs> I promise you, Tyler Hero down in South Beach has more jersey sales than him, probably. Yeah, these th- th- this so, ends in October 2020, so we don't know. Right. So 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 the issue that I have with it is that. Those small market guys that I know you said, well, if the fans like him enough, you're not competing. If you're if if you're somebody that wanted Chris Paul in in the All Star game, who's buying a Chris Paul jersey? Who's buying a Nikola Vucevic jersey? Magic this fans year? because he's the best player on the Magic for CP3. Yeah, but, but 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 you know what I mean. If you live in New York, you're not buying a Julius Randle jersey. You're buying a KD, Kyrie, or James Harden jersey. Even though Julius Randle deserves to be. If you're a Knicks fan, you're not gonna buy a Nets jersey. If you're a no, Knicks but fan. I'm saying, first of all, nobody's buying nobody's buying Knicks jerseys. Period. Nobody wants to be a Knicks fan. But if you nobody are, wants to show that if you Knicks are, fan. like, dude, people are buying Jeremy Grant Pistons jerseys. What? I'm a Pistons fan, and I would never. If you gave me a free Jeremy Grant jersey, I I wouldn't. I, it would sit. I would give it to somebody. Like that's like even Blake like Blake Griffin. Just because I love the man, I'd buy that jersey. But like Jeremy Grant's the guy who's like balling out on the Pistons. But then when you also but then when you also look at it, it's 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 kind of unproportionately unfair to people who can't just be buying people's jerseys. You know, I personally don't own a single basketball jersey just because I wouldn't pay for one. So my vote shouldn't count towards like who I think should be in the All-Star game, even though I'm an NBA fan that's going to be watching the All-Star game. I mean, yes and no, because if you really care about your team, you'll put why would your I money- spend? Why would I spend like 80 to to $100 on a jersey 
to see some guy playing a game every single year. So I need to buy that uh, the same jersey every single year, even though I have one. New fans. That's I mean because LeBron. <laughs> look, dude. Le, I'm just saying. LeBron's like the leader in jersey sales every year because this is here's the other thing too. International because they have no ties to a city. We, Luca's going to be eating it up. Look, Luca's going to be eating it up. No, we have a every very year. North America centric mindset when we think of fans of the NBA, but it is a global league. Jeremy Lin would have been an all star that one year he was balling. Exactly, and he sh- like arguably he could have. You know what I mean? Also, yeah. Actually, Lin Sanity happened in like February, March, so I think it was post All Star game was when he started popping off. Fair. Regardless, Fair. that's something where like. The fans in China and the fans in Spain and the fans in Brazil and like they're there's Latvia baby but there's still Slovakia. they're still going to be fans of guys like LeBron James. It's like you see guys here, right? Like even though all those you know all those La Liga and Bundesliga and all that, you see the same jersey. You see guys walking around in Messi jerseys who have no ties to the city of Barcelona. You see guys walking well, yeah, but, around in well, you're Juventus not do, jerseys of Ronaldo. You're not going to be doing that. But you're not going to be doing that for guys that should be reserves in the All-Star. You Like, nobody's just going to be walking around with a Zach Levine jersey unless you're in uh, Chicago, you know? But th- you could be a Zach Levine fan. You could be a fan of his game. You could be a fan of his dunks. So why can't I send in a text and tell people that I'm a fan instead of buying a whole jersey for him I j- every single year? It just seems logical. LeBron hasn't dropped out of the top five in jersey sales since he came to the league. Cool. LeBron is 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 one of the two best players of all time. Nobody's arguing his greatness, but I'm but but if we're talking about guys who got snubbed, and and we're talking about how we can fix this, like. I'm not saying that it's definite, but there's a chance that Tyler Hero has better jersey sales than Trey Young, who has. But but you're telling me you would that that Tyler Hero deserves deserves to be in the All Star game more than Trey Young. No, but if more fans are going to watch it, then you can charge more money for ads, and you're making more money. The NBA is a business, and so they should make the choices that generate more revenue. I'm looking at it strictly from a business standpoint. I'd rather buy the five dollar hat than a whole jersey from somebody. Yeah, I'm, but again, there's no there's no player hats. Oh, dude, if there like, and there totally are player hats, but no one's walking around with a thirty five Oklahoma City Thunder Kevin Durant hat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like everyone wants to rock the jersey. That'd be nice. Like it'd be, they That'd they be exist. Nice. I have a, I have a number two Texas A and M Johnny Manziel hat. It's That's fire. Incredible. I got it for five dollars at Walmart. You know after what we he should do? Off the Browns. What should we do? You know what we should do? We should, we should, not to be like that, but we should be LeBron and Durant and draft all-star teams. Deal. And you know what? We can reveal those teams next week. I'm Josh Deal. <laughs> He's Justin Whitwick. One of us has to be right.